0: The piece of music you're listening to is called Secret Agent Rock. It was commissioned by the Bard and Troubadour Theatre Company in the UK for a production of Pinocchio. You're listening to How I Make Music, a weekly show where I break down an original soundtrack that I've written and share the stories and insights behind how it was made. My name is John Bartman, I'm a music composer and producer based here in South Africa, and this is How I Make Music. I do love writing music for kids and kids' productions. It generally allows you to be a little more wacky and put artistic pretensions behind you and just do something fun. The brief for this song was to create a sound-alike for the 1966 Johnny Rivers hit, Secret Agent Man. The song was brought back to popularity by the Austin Powers movies in the 2000s and since then have created a pop-cultural trope for spy comedy it's pretty useful to think of soundtrack composition in terms of these types of popular tropes a trope is an established norm in pop culture the piece accompanies one of the characters in the play who is the bad boy arriving on a motorcycle with a leather jacket i looked around for more references in this field and came up with greased lightning from the musical Grease which you might have heard once or twice. Oh, that, the like it, no, like oh. Using these two references, I was able to narrow down the choice of instrumentation. So we've got a very strong root in rock and roll. If you make music using guitar plugins, simulated cabinet and amp sounds, this is a great time to whip out the Tweed guitar or vintage guitar, vintage guitar rock, British guitar, anything like that is going to fit quite well here. I actually managed to cobble this track together using quite a limited setup while recording in a basement in Brisbane, Australia, where I was on a brief stay. My little nephew who lives there had a basic acoustic practice guitar and it was all I had access to. So you're able to hear what is not a quality studio-grade acoustic guitar in this recording. Many people assume that it's essential that you have the best gear in order to produce work that sells, but I've repeatedly shown throughout my music-making career that this is not the case. If you're able to get something together and ship it on time, most of the time, whoever you're writing it for is none the wiser. Mostly clients don't really have a dog in the fight when it comes to which guitar plug-in to use. Of course, you do what you're told when you're getting paid, but you should always be aiming to have the final say on creatively what sounds good. So, the take-home is be honest with yourself. But don't let anybody else tell you what you're doing doesn't sound good. Of course, that said, it was necessary to do a whole lot of work on improving the sound of this basic guitar and the mic I was using. The first thing that I did was to EQ it, of course, add a lot of reverb to give it a really almost psychedelic sound. The washed out 60s. And I also ran it through a flanger, a modulation effect that creates a kind of a wee-wee-wee sound. That might be the first time I've ever had to imitate a flanger. (laughs) After the acoustic guitar recording was done, I did a whole other take of the same parts and treated this one as an electric guitar by running it through the relevant plugins. So what you hear now sounds like an electric guitar, but is in fact the same guitar run through software plugins, with a lot of delay going through your left and your right ear. In the chorus of any song it's necessary to raise the overall energy so at this point i brought in a guitar slide which is a piece of metal that you put on the finger of your fret hand and you slide it up and down the strings it creates almost a country western sound it's also used in this kind of psychedelic rock take a listen to the guitar slide during the chorus One final note on the guitar is that it was tuned in drop D tuning meaning that you can play very open sounding power chords by detuning the top E string. Listen to the final chord of the song for this effect. A little bit of tiny little, a tiny little bit of fret buzz there right at the end. Something, again, you try to eliminate in a pro-grade studio recording, but I feel really adds to the power of that moment where the string is actually buzzing and ringing in a way that it shouldn't. It's raw. It's rock and roll. One more time. The electric bass sound in this song has a lot of personality too. I didn't have a bass guitar so I turned to my software library. You can hear there's a little bit of fret buzz in the bass guitar too. Take a listen to how you can hear what sounds like the strings actually buzzing on the fretboard. Manufacturers of these software libraries, the people who record the original instruments and then package them for computer use, they really do their best to preserve the personality of these instruments by leaving these quote-unquote mistakes intact. Organs in bands were quite common in the 60s. The Doors was an example of this, the monkeys A lot of groups had access to farfises and Hammond organs. I decided to place the song in that genre, that time and space, by adding a rock organ sound. It comes in for the first time during the chorus. Here it is along with the bass. When you get this opportunity you have to play music as if it's not being played on a computer you have to find ways to bring out the realness of it and to perform things which are very difficult to accomplish using computer sounds for example guitar bends and the human voice for this organ part i felt a sweep An up-down sweep using the hand on the keyboard, which is called a glissando, would work quite well to really bring up the mood. Let's take a listen to how that sounds. I use the same effect right at the end of the song. These little moments in a composition might sound like they don't have a lot of consequence, but they really do make the difference between a track that sounds like it's been produced en masse or on a very short timeline and music that really feels like it's been cared for and fought for and and worked hard for. I feel that there's no real shortcut to doing that. And in the back of everybody's mind, whether they're aware of it or not, There is a sense of appreciation for music that has been hand-cranked, so to speak. Music production has changed a lot since the 1960s. You can hear it if you listen to the recordings of drums from that era. That was a recording from Led Zeppelin's When the Levee Breaks. And it's a famous example of producers thinking outside the box. Literally, in this case, they moved the drums into the hallway of the house they were staying in and recorded them wet, in other words, with all the reverb and all of the acoustics of the natural space. This can create problems in music production because if you decide that you want that same recording without the reverb it becomes very difficult to remove it. This is why most producers now will record drums dry and add the reverb artificially. The role of the drum kit in the 60s was a lot less prestigious than it is today. Today drums are recorded using up to 20-30 microphones sometimes and very very well produced to give the listener the sense that they're really there. But In the 1960s, it was more the role of an accompaniment. It wasn't really important if the drums didn't stand out front and center. I kept this in mind when I was producing this track. I didn't want to give the drums too much prominence and to make them feel like they were a commercial 90s rock master, to make them sound like they had been recorded 30 years after the period that I was trying to create. Let's take a listen to the Secret Agent Rock drums. It was quite common practice in the 60s and 70s to put spring reverb on absolutely everything. And this track is no exception, the reverb Takes the drums completely, and I feel that it adds to the atmosphere that I'm trying to create. One final note on composing for theatre rather than for backing music for videos, for example. Timing is usually way more important. There were quite strict notes on the timing. In fact, I was given a guide vocal for the performer to sing while the song was playing in the background. My job was to create music around the verse and chorus lyrics. In the middle of the song, there's a track breakdown, which sounds like this. I just thought I'd include that to illustrate that When writing music, there is often a difference between having something that's just running in the background, it can almost be a loop, and music that is required to be timed for any number of reasons. In this case, it's for a theatre production, but it could also be for a game, for example, where the length of a loop is informed by how much file storage is available to store the audio data or how long it takes before your player gets bored. The Super Mario theme by Koji Kondo is an incredible example of this being under 80 seconds long and it manages to not seem boring even though a player could hear it 10,000 times in their life. So that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to the behind the scenes for Secret Agent Rock. We'll listen to the full track in just a moment but before we do that, Thanks for listening to How I Make Music, the weekly show where I break down an original soundtrack that I've written and share the stories and insights behind how it was made. If you'd like to support my work, go and find my podcast, subscribe, share it. You're also able to download the track from this episode via my website, johnbartman.com, J-O-H-N-B-A-R-T-M-A-N-N.com. Go to the music page and search my library of original royalty-free tracks, by keyword, genre, title, mood or instrument. There's a wide range of music on there and it's all available for you to download. I love getting emails from people starting up their own podcasts, starting up their own YouTube channels. I encourage you to get in touch if you need custom music or branded audio, stings, jingles, anything like that. I'm running a very beginner-friendly show here. Thanks for listening and now here is Secret Agent Rock, a... Vintage British rock with an old-fashioned spy comedy feel in its entirety. Catch you next week.